Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, worship team. Hope those guys do a great job, by the way. Let's say our appreciation for those guys. Appreciate their work and the effort they put into opening the window of opportunity for us to worship. That's, uh, that's what we want to have happen. Matter of fact, we always want to worship so powerfully and acknowledging God so much that any unbelievers that walk in say what? Remember the verse? God must be among these folks right here. And so uh, thanks, uh, thanks guys, for helping do that. And by the way, we don't always say it a lot of times, but uh, to all of our uh, volunteers up in the sound booth, guys, thank you too. Can we show our appreciation for them? That's good. My volume level just went up three notches on my microphone. So, <laughs> uh, you know, We've been talking about being world changers in this series, and we're talking about how that uh, God wants to use this community, this group of people called the church, to make a difference in the world. And we've been working out of Acts chapter 1 uh, in verse 8, and I want us just to re- read that verse to kind of get us started. But he tells them, we remember, Jesus, right before his ascension to heaven, he's got the disciples gathered up. And uh, they ask a question. They said, are, are you coming for the kingdom now for us? I mean, are you going to do this thing right now? And he tells them basically, uh, right, the verse right before this, in verse 7, that's none of your business. You don't need to worry about dates and times. I got that covered. But he does say, here's, here's what your business is. That you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then right after that, they gather up and they pray and they're waiting on God. And then in Acts chapter 2, this whole thing happens. That the gospel is preached. And remember, uh, uh, remember all the disciples are all gathered up there and they all start speaking in languages. Remember that? And as they're speaking in languages, they, the, the big thing says, the, uh, the guy said in the audience, hey, look, how is it that these guys from Galilee are all, I can hear them in my own language. And he lists in the text different countries and nations that are gathered up there. So, man, I can hear them all in my, and so what he does basically through this miraculous time at Pentecost is he paints the picture of the end of the story. Because at the end of Revelation, guess what? All nations are gathered around, and it says in every language and every tongue and every nation, they are worshiping and adoring God. And so the, the, he gives you kind of the end at the beginning. And so from that point on, the community of believers, the church, goes out and takes the gospel to the ends of the world, Jer- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and every man hears in his own language. And all these nations get the blessings that all have been planned from the very beginning by God. This is the message of the whole Bible. Who desires to have a loving relationship with, you, with humanity. And has done everything possible to make that happen. And that's what we get to be a part of. God's called us to be a part of that. That's what the church does. 
The church is not about being a religious institution. It's about being in a relationship with God. It's about being a living organism that grows and that moves because it's trying to figure out ways to take the good news of Jesus into the whole world that every man will hear in his own language. That's what we're about. We can't lose focus. Our focus is on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Our focus has got to stay always on the gospel. That that simple message is the power to change men's hearts and to change how they behave in life. And that God improves our holiness because he's much more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. He's much more concerned about our character than our circumstances that we live in temporarily. And so God desires to move us to do what? Look like Jesus Christ. Because we're showing the whole world as we're salt and light who Jesus really is. Well, Jesus modeled this for these guys. And in the book of Matthew chapter 9, I want to look at a couple of things out of this text. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35... This whole chapter, Jesus has been doing some, some marvelous things. And, and this is kind of, 35 through, through the end is really kind of conclusion. But let's look at 35 first. Look what he says. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming or preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Here's what you got going on. Here's what he says about what Jesus did. He was doing a work, his work, and he was doing, he was preaching his word. Got it? His work and his word. Say that with me. His work and his word. And so both of those things are very powerful. And by the way, if you just do one without the other, you're kind of working on half cylinders. You know what I'm saying? You're not really getting what you need to. And so he leaves that same word because, look, the church is the second incarnation of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And so whatever Jesus was doing in his body is what we ought to be doing as his body. Got it? Okay, and so what were those things? His work and his words. Let me just kind of, well, I just want to, I'll just, let's just go read the Bible. How about that? Chapter 9. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. And some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. And as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does this teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. 
Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often to the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskin. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. And just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said, if only I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. And when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up, and news of this spread throughout all the region. And as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. But they went about and spread the news about him all over the region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been uh, mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I wanted to read that whole section just to put back in our minds the work and the words of Jesus. Because you remember the prophet of old said about Jesus that he would, he would cause the lame to walk and the blind to see. And that he would minister to the poor and set captives free and would preach the good news of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is fulfilling that old prophet's words in his very life this very day. Matter of fact, when John's disciples Talk about him and ask him about who do we say you know, who do we say you are? He says, Good, "Go tell John, the lame walk. Go tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear." So all these things are pointing to Jesus, His work and His words, and our work and our heart for people that we see their needs and their brokenness in life and the, all the mess-ups that they have, and yet we desire to help bring relief to them. But our that's the work, but the words are how they can find forgiveness in their trust of this one one man called Jesus Christ. Think about it. The words he said in the very first of this chapter to this one that was paralyzed. Your sins are what? Forgiven. 
Say that with me. Your sins are forgiven. Those are the words of Jesus. Imagine this guy went through the rest of his life. He could hear the voice of Christ echoing through his mind. Every time he had a doubt, he could just hear those vo- that voice again saying, Your sins are forgiven. And you and I need to know that. We need to hear the voice of Jesus in our own hearts and in our own minds. For he said to you when you obeyed the gospel, Your sins are forgiven. And Satan wants to tell you a lie about that every day. He doesn't want you to believe that your sins are forgiven. He wants to keep you in your shame. He wants to keep you in your guilt. He wants to keep you in your stress. He wants to make you think you can't make it in life. But I'm telling you, as a community of believers who are saved by the blood of Jesus, you can walk out of here confident to tell other people about Him and say, Your sins are forgiven. Amen. All the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus echoing through our mind and our hearts. How we need to hear them. Every day. Then the Bible says in the next verses. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless. By the way, this harassed and helpless sometimes is translated tore up and thrown down. It's a picture of these sheep that are just, the, the, the rocks have, uh, jagged rocks have torn them. They, are, they have no shepherd. They're out here by themselves. It's as a rebuke to, by the way, the current leadership of the group too. They're harassed and they're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And look what he says in the next verse. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Just want to break down this verse real simple. Four things to get out of this. The first thing we see Jesus do here is that he sees clearly. He's looking on this crowd as well as individuals. And he's just proved that by the, all the things he just did earlier in the chapter, right? It's amazing how we can go through life and, 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 and walk right by each other in a crowd and never really see the people in front of us. How many, how many are driving down North 7th Street? They're passing our church building here. And, and we don't, they're going somewhere, but we really don't see them. We don't look at them. We don't look at people in our community and see where are they going. Now, we know there's only two possible. There's either a narrow road or there's a Broadway, right? And so do we have a consciousness to see people the way that Jesus sees them? That means you have to look for them. See, the disciples didn't see. You remember there was a blind man named Barnabas that he was hollering out about being healed and the disciples were telling him to be quiet and get out of the way. Remember that? Well, what about the children? They all wanted to rush up to Jesus and be with him. And, they, and they're like, get those, get those kids out of the way. These kids, they're bothering me, you know. I know none of you have ever said that about kids, but, I'm, you know, this is, Right? That's the, the disciples, they didn't see how valuable these children. Jesus said, no, let the children what? Come unto me. Let these people that are broken down and blind and hurt, let them come to me. I want to go to them. I, he saw them. The disciples didn't see like they needed to. They had to have some correction on that, right? 
So you have to see clearly like Jesus did. And then it says that when he saw these crowds, he had compassion in his heart. Now this is a word that really means a deep gut feeling inside. It's that he was moved emotionally and physically by what he saw in their condition. Have you ever been in those situations? Maybe you've traveled around the world. Maybe you've looked into an orphan's home. I remember Al and I, first time we ever visited the Dominican, we looked in that orphan's home. The shower was a water hose, stand in a pan for 30 kids, one burner on a stove. And your heart just went out for them. You've seen those situations in your life where you've been moved deep down inside. And Jesus is this way when he looks at the crowds and he looks at the individuals. And so he sees them and he cares deeply for them. Look, he's showing us how to be a world changer. We have to see like this. We have to care like that. And then he shows them how to think properly. You see, he saw their condition. They were harassed. They were helpless. They were torn. And he says to the disciples, the harvest is what? Man, it's plentiful out there. And yet, how many times do we go around thinking that nobody wants to really hear the story of Jesus? And so sometimes we don't even make the effort because we decide ahead of time that person would not be receptive or that person wouldn't really, he really wouldn't come look at all the things he has in life. We can't do that. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Then it really is plentiful. And I think it's still plentiful today, right? And so we have to have that kind of thinking that looks for the opportunity to get the good news out to people. And we have to have an urgency about that. That the harvest is plentiful. And so, so when we find an area we're working in and we're baptizing, look, I love Larry Bowles' work in, in Athens, Greece with the refugees. They're converting hundreds and hundreds of people who have come out of the Muslim communities of war and, 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 and such, such terribleness in their life, of, of loss of life, of their families, of all kinds of situations. And they're poor and they're hungry and their desire to understand about what God has. And he's sharing the good news. And so many are being converted and going on to other countries to share the good news of Jesus. And I get excited about that. He saw that the harvest was plentiful. It's wide in the harvest here. And you and I get to be a part of that work. We have to think properly. Problem is, most of my time I'm thinking about me instead of the harvest. If you don't think that's true, just look at sometime, examine your prayers. And who do you pray about the most? <laughs> then he says something else to him. He says, to pray earnestly. This is the word for supplication. Some, some define it as begging a request to God. It's that kind of intensity and that kind of earnestness that says, God, make this happen. Anyone he says to pray for? Pray for workers. 
Matter of fact, here in a little bit, we're going to pray for some of our workers that are on the field. But, but, but he tells the disciples to pray for workers. The laborers are few. We need more folks out here in the harvest. It's ready. We've got to get more workers involved. And I thought about how so many times we depend on so many things other than prayer. And it kind of sometimes it's kind of the last thing we do. When it probably ought to be the first thing we do, right? Beseech God. And he says pray for workers. Now, I'll tell you what's neat about this. He's telling the disciples this. Got it? He's showing them how his word. He's showing them his words. And those words ought to be echoing their minds too. You are forgiven. Boy, what a great message in your own heart and mind. Which, by the way, you've got to have that message in your heart and mind before you ever go be a worker, right? And then they're praying for workers. And guess what happens in the next chapter? They become... Well, let's just look at this. Chapter 10, verse 1. It's not on the screen. Let me read it to you. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names, and he lists all the names of these guys. And these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, and then he's going to tell them how to go out and do. Guess what? They become the answer to their own prayer. You ever notice that? They pray. He says, pray for workers. They pray for workers, and they become the answer to their own prayer. And maybe that's how that will be with you today. Maybe we'll pray for workers today, and then as you leave here, you, you, all of a sudden you realize you're sent out into your community, into, into your job, or into your recreation time, or into the ball team you coach, or the parents you meet at school, and all of a sudden you are the worker, and you become the answer to the prayer we pray today. That's pretty good, isn't it? Pray earnest. See clearly. Care deeply. Think properly. And pray earnestly. And I would add, never forget to listen to the voice of Jesus that says time and time again, In your mind, in your heart, your sins are forgiven. For it's only people who have assurance and hope who can give assurance and hope to other people. You see, if you doubt your own salvation, if you're not right with God, what are you going to tell somebody that's lost? Hey, look, come over here and join me. I mean, I don't know if you'll make it or not, but hey, we might, you know, at least you got a chance. Well, that's good news, isn't it? Do you see how dangerous legalism is in stopping the evangelism of the church? I have to work and work and work in order to be saved, and I can't work enough, and I don't know if I am, but maybe if I've been found faithful to thee in the end, and how many times we pray? If, if God says you can know you are saved, and, and you cannot evangelize a community or a world with a group of people who don't know that they're saved. So the, one of the first things you've got to do today is get that down right. Make sure you're right with God because of His grace, not because of our work. And I promise you, His grace is enough.
with that assurance of the gospel, the story of Jesus, and how it's changed my life, and his voice telling me I'm forgiven. We have something to share. We have something to pray about. We have to pray about how our church is going to reach the world. We pray about our contribution we're going to make next week. God's blessed us with money. Let's use it for the kingdom. Let's quit taking that so lightly. It's mine. I can do with it whatever I want. You know what? That's a selfish statement. Let's just say it out loud. I'm selfish with what I have when I think about my stuff meeting my needs. It ain't about that. It's about God and the voice of His Son being heard in the ears of broken people, your sins are forgiven. So I wanted us to pray. Guys, come on up. I've asked some guys to pray. And uh, for some of our laborers, some of our missionaries, some of our workers, that are few, we're getting more, right? So I've asked them to pray for some of the specific guys that we support. We support guys in a variety of places around the world. And uh, we're not mentioning all of them individually but I did want us to get some of them mentioned today because there's some uh, it's Stabin in Nicaragua they're in a tough situation really are we're going to be praying for him Prudencio Rodriguez we've supported for years and years his health is failing and yet he's trained and started trained more preachers and started more churches I don't know probably any man I know Uh, and let let me say one thing about Prudencio I think David is praying for him but Prudencio he stands about this tall and he's a fireball. And so I was over there preaching in Dominican. You know, I'm, I'm laying out what I think is a pretty good gospel sermon. And we offer the invitation. And then Prudential gets up and he offers it again. And he, just, and, he said, and then he offers it again. And so then he's looking out and he said, and then he calls the guy by name. He says, he says, Juan, I studied with you last night. You know you need to do this. And then, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's pointing you out. I mean, he's coming to the audience. And I'm like, well, this guy, you know. I tell you what, it woke everybody up in the audience. They were all paying attention. But that guy loves the Lord. Isaac Day, who we're very familiar with his work. Oh, several of these guys, uh, Eric Key in Tuba City, Arizona, among the Navajos. Great, great work to reach folks we love deeply. So I've asked these guys to have some special prayer for some of our workers uh, in the kingdom. Tommy. Father, we begin, we begin this prayer with, um, with our brother Isaac Day in Liberia. And Father, we pray for him and for his family. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the, uh, the amazing work he's had to this point and all the people that uh, have been reached and have been touched with the gospel of your son Jesus because of his work. And uh, so we pray for him and his family. We pray for their health. We pray you for their safety. You keep them safe. And, Father, we pray that you continue to bring before him those that, as Mike has just talked about this morning, a part of this, this harvest that is so plentiful, that you'll bring before him others who, uh, who desperately need to know that their sins can indeed be forgiven. So, Father, our prayer is for him and for all those that he teaches and trains to do the same, and that, uh, that they will bring many, many before your throne that will come to know Jesus as a result. <clears throat> And, Father, I also want to pray for Eric Key, 
the, the work Mike just mentioned in, in Tuba City, Arizona. Such a, such a difficult and challenging work reaching out to the Navajo people. So, Father, we pray for he and his family as well, for their safety and for their health. And, Father, we pray for open hearts, soften the hearts of the people. And I know that uh, the gospel of Jesus, this amazing, powerful message to save, will, will reap a great harvest if the, if the hearts are there to, and be open and to listen and come to understand. We're thankful for those that have already been reached, and we pray for more and more in that process. And, Father, I'm so grateful that we can be a part of a church that has so many of these folks out there that are doing this. I'm grateful that you've given us that opportunity to be a part of these ministries, and we pray that they continue and continue. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, we continue our thoughts. And just this morning I was talking to a sweet sister out in Boyer about how miserable it would be if you had no hope. And we're thankful for hope, knowing that someday that we can go home to be with you, Father. And we thank you for loving us so much to make that possible for what Jesus has does, is doing, and will do for us, Father. And uh, <clears throat> I want to pray for Brother Rodriguez at this time that uh, in the dominion that <clears throat> you'll be with him and those that or in that ministry there, we pray for opportunity for him to uh, to have and to continue to have such an influence in that area. Father, we pray for hearts that are receptive there to the good news Amen. of what you've done for us through your son. And we just uh, pray that you would continue to be with the work there. Like Tommy said, Father, I'm thankful for a church here who cares about people who are lost and uh, shares the gospel around the world. And we pray that we'll continue to do that and that we'll have open hearts and open pocketbooks to help that ministry. And again, be with our brother there and our brothers throughout the world and even here, Father, in this country as we share the good news of Jesus. And uh, as Mike said earlier, our sins are forgiven. What a relief that is, Father, because none of us deserve that. Thank you again for Jesus in his name. Amen. Dear Father, we're so thankful for your son. We're so thankful for, as Nathan so eloquently put it, your desire, his desire for us to have community, for us to have unity, for us to truly be your one kingdom. Your Father, we're thankful for, for his blood and his sacrifice that covers not what we think USA or America, but dear Father, as we are promoting, as we're challenging, as we read as you command us in that commission to be truly world changers. Dear Father, there are folks already mentioned that are on the front lines in places that we just don't even want to think about or dream about or talk about at times. 
as they put themselves and they put their families in harm's way. They sacrifice the good life here in America, as we think, to go and do and hear your call and work and preach and teach and live and be that example and truly be the hands and feet of your son. Dear Father, with Mr. Bowles, with Larry, there in Athens, he is just in the midst of the harvest. He is in the midst of people begging for something, trying to search and find what it is that they're missing. Dear Father, I just pray that that he continues to persevere, he continues to seek out the lost, and that they will be able to find him, and that in turn that they will see you. Dear Father, he is truly in a difficult area, but dear Father, we just pray that, uh, that you do protect them, and that you continue to allow his work for you to continue. Dear Father, also for Brother Esteban in Nicaragua, so much we see, we, we hear of bad areas, we hear of third world sewage, we hear of no housing, no floors, we hear of so many bad things around the world, uh, but dear Father, we just pray that uh, what he is doing, what he is showing, what he is preaching, what he is uh, living out loud, uh, that many, many hearts will be pricked and that they will come to you, dear Father. We feel like at times we're not a part, but dear Father, we are 100% a part of this. Right here in prayer and talking to you and asking for your help, as Mike said, for us to be the answer to that prayer here. Dear Father, there may be some of us, there may be some of our children that may get that call to go and be that answer somewhere else as well. And for that, we just pray that you give us the peace for that. But uh, we do pray for all of the men and, and their families that are putting themselves out there. And uh, for protection, for perseverance, and that they will continue to do what they do. Dear Father, we are eternally grateful and we are definitely assured that you love us and that you're taking us all home one day. And for that, we long for that day. Thank you again for your son. In his name, amen. Thank you guys for sharing. As we close out today, we always offer a time of invitation to our church family. If you have a need and you need prayed over or prayed with, well, we're here for that. We're all just broken people, right? Here by the grace of God, wanting to help each other along the journey. If you are someone who's never named the name of Jesus, you want to respond and make him Lord of your life, be baptized into Christ, that opportunity exists.